I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DFS podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's it going? How was your week at Pebble? Yeah, it was good. I was uh, was really glad to see Tom Hoagie win, uh, former guest of the podcast. Uh, obviously, I had a bet on him as well, so that was nice. Um, lit down by a few guys in in DFS. It was a, it was a really tough week to even get six or six anyway, right? Um, I don't think many people did. Uh, I think the rate was quite low, so. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but generally speaking, I, I think I was, you know, I was well off with Kisner. That didn't work. Um, you know, I think the top of the board kind of, I had the right guys, but not in the right lineups in time. So uh, that's just kind of the way it goes. I think I think we know that there's kind of a process for me to kind of figure out a bit of lineup construction. I think you're possibly better at that. Um, but I think we're getting the right guys. We're fading the right guys, which is which, as I said to you before we come on, I think that is almost worth more because people are going to play who they like right and it's just up to you to tell people who to avoid i think yeah um i i yeah i agree i my picks my my favorite pick from each range really was was pretty good the only one who missed out of those six was aaron rye who was an mdf which is a little bit frustrating and me and you had that little uh top 20 and you were right <laughs> on that you you said he wouldn't but i had five out of six guys i can't lay rose uh son you don't know like we talked about so and what really hurt me was I was in position to cash on all my lineups with those five out of sixes. And then Cantlay had a bad Sunday and then Rose had a bad Sunday. And then all the guys I needed to do well, just, just didn't Perez was, I had him, he was my favorite seven K play. He did well. So I think I had a lot of good guys and I picked, I was fading McNeely. I faded Harkins, um, a lot of those popular guys, but it just Sunday really hurt me. Yeah. Cantlay wasn't just bad. It was quite a brutal, what he did in the end and you know i think people were joking that you know the the slow rounds would suit his slow pay and stuff but i really think he actually got even more out of sync than normal and i don't, I don't want to make excuses for him because it's his own thing but it looked like he was even extra slow i mean it was kind of jokes a couple of times i actually but it was serious i had to keep checking my stream was working because it it was like stuck there for so long and i was like oh no he's actually just trying to putt and every time i then saw those pale blue trousers i knew my tv was fine and it was just Cantley. Um, yeah, tough week uh, in terms of fantasy, but as I say, the outright bet was good. So um, mainly just happy to see Tom Hoagie win after um, a good period of time where he's had been successful. Um, on to Phoenix now, Matt. We can we can actually focus on one course for once. That's, I think that's probably the first time since we started this. Actually, I'm trying to think back. Maybe we did Sony with one course. Um, but it's definitely nice to get back onto a, something like TPC Scottsdale where we kind of know what we're looking at. I'm psyched about it. I love this event. I know I know everybody does, but I really love it. Um, two, I, I've hit the winner two out of three years here and also had the Super Bowl. I'm a Patriots fan, so 2019 I had Ricky nice. and the Patriots win the Super Bowl. And then last year I had Brooks and then Brady wins the Super Bowl and I had the 40-1 to Bucks ticket and also a 20-1 to Gronk first touchdown ticket. That was the biggest betting day of my life, so I love this event. I, I do like when, when the guys put together little parlays and, and I imagine Bengals are going to be popular this week because they're the underdogs. But um, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I, I don't think we ever really do that over here. So maybe I might have a look at, at doing something similar. Um, just quickly before we go into the fantasy, is there someone you're targeting mainly for one of your bets this week? Yeah, um, I got a 14-1 to on Justin Thomas and I took it. Yeah. Uh, I just think he's... He's always been destined to win the win the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It's he's he's been around a bunch of times. Um, usually with him, he kind of gets up there in the leaderboard a couple of years, and then and then he spikes one of them. And I just think this is his year. He's playing better than it seems like he's playing, um, and I just think this is uh, his year to win it. I can just picture it too. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that he should have been a little bit bigger, or. Hideki Matsuyama should have been shorter. I didn't quite understand the disparity between the two, just because of, I know Justin Thomas, like you said there, has had a really good success here. Um, but, you know, like Hideki's had those two wins. I think there's still a little bit of doubt about his health, but we're we none the wiser. And I think Daniel Berger putting out last week is a, you know, a, a highlight of the, of the problem that we've got with the, the injury communication on tour, right? Um, yeah. That and there's also two. There's a question here, and it's and it's a very unfair question. But yeah, 
like with Hideki, and the same goes for Hovland. Are they going to win at such an absurd clip in these past four to six starts Correct. that you're like now you, people are thinking, all right, water has to find its level. They're going to regress. And they're both great players, and especially Decky. I think now that he got that Masters win off his back and then the win in Japan, those two things kind of really freed him up to play probably the best golf he's going to be playing in his career. But is he going to win, uh, you know, four times in the past seven months or whatever it is? It, it's just hard to, you know, it's it's hard to bank on that. Not to mention, but this is his course, so who knows? I think I think the, like, it's interesting you mentioned obviously that win in Japan. I think the only thing that could have worked out better for him last year was that he won the Olympics as well. Like, if he'd have won the Masters, the Olympics. And then one like he has done uh, since coming back on tour, that would be really impressive. Um, I think golf's just like the only sport that we punish guys for for winning last week or winning recently, right? Um, mm-hmm. I do agree with with both. I think you can't, you know, it's not like Hideki wins here every year. Um, he he has had two wins in a second, so that's the. It just felt like a little bit of disparity, and, and I still think there's a little bit missing with Thomas over 72 holes. But as I said in my sort of column. Like because what the, what I found so alarming was like when Ram and Thomas were both the co-leaders at, at Tory, Thomas slipped all the way down to twentieth, and Ram still played badly and finished third. And like we've kind of been used to Thomas just hanging around, and, and at the moment it does look like he can eject a little bit. Um, but then I went on to say that with that said, he could be the person that just flips it in a week and suddenly just kind of figures it out. And he's just had a week off. He, he was, looks kind of rested and relaxed. I think he went to Cypress Point and had a, a round there, of, you know, his other half and stuff. So I do think that coming back to a course that really suits him, and that's why I'm actually going to take him as a first-round leader. Like, he has started really quick here uh, in the past. I think he shot 64 um, to lead one of the years. I can't remember which one it was now. I've got the article in front of me. Um, but he has just had some really good rounds. He's had like six rounds of 66 or better at Phoenix uh, over the last four starts. So I really like him to get off to a fast start because if he's going to win, I think it will come from um, a quick start on Thursday. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. And I I actually said this uh, to a friend on Saturday morning. I said, Seamus Power is not winning this event. I know everyone thinks he is for for whatever reason. He has a five, five, six-shot lead. But I said, when you see guys race out to those leads after two rounds, they very rarely win. I said the only guy who wins after those rounds usually is Justin Thomas. Yeah. Um, when he gets a big lead, he he's very good at coasting to to the finish line and winning. And I think I could see that happening for sure. And then you know a couple of things about Thomas and why I'm starting my lineups and why I want to bet him is the approaches haven't been his typical lights out six seven strokes on approach for the tournament. That hasn't been there, which I acknowledge, and that's my only concern. But in this field. He is fourth in opportunities gained. And I think, you know, that, that's given himself chances from 15 feet in to putt. And I know the putting has been his kind of bugaboo of late. So I think now at a course where it seems like anyone can really putt well here. And, and Thomas himself, he's gained over four strokes putting in his last two starts here. So I think something about the greens he likes and something about the greens make it easier for guys who typically don't putt well to putt well. So if he keeps getting those opportunities and he actually makes some of those putts, I think he can kind of dominate this field. Yeah, and I think there's a really key point there, and you've framed it well, but I think some people have, have looked at it like putting doesn't matter here because bad putters have won in the past, and putting really does matter. It, you do need to gain a lot of strokes to win. It's just that more people can, and mm-hmm. some of the lesser putters have, and I think it is because of those faster greens. It's Bermuda, but it's kind of overseeded with power and bent, um, a little bit like you see at the players. And I think just a little bit of extra speed, unless your name's Oli Schneiderhands, uh, really benefits. He actually putted one into the water one year. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it helps the guys that tend to leave them a bit short or, you know, in the jaws, they don't really have the option. It kind of just trickles in for them. Um, and, you know, I, I think that kind of plays off. So. Yeah, a lot to uh, a lot of kind of things said there, but I think that is a good way to start by saying that you're going to start your lineups then with uh, Justin Thomas above the 10k range. Yeah, and you know it's hard to go away from Ram. Also, it's very difficult to uh, envision a situation where he's not involved in one way or another, and and we know he needs at least a top five to cover that 11.6 price tag. I mean, that's a huge price tag for the field that we have. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 big. So. I was thinking leading into the week, like you said, I thought Thomas was going to be better priced on both the betting board and on the DraftKings board. So I thought I could jam those 
two guys in together, but at 11-6 and then 11 flat, just impossible. Yeah, I mean, so the early view that I took, you know, kind of goes back to what's about Matsuyama, is I thought, I'll just take the, you know, you've got a $600 discount from uh, Thomas to Ram, um, and then you take another further $600 from, from Thomas to Matsuyama, and I thought, I'll just start with Matsuyama. Like, I couldn't believe the disparity, but I think that's going to be a common tactic. I think a lot of people are going to probably take Hideki Matsuyama for that reason. Um, maybe you can speak on the ownership on that. Yeah, we're a bit spread out here up top. Um, it's looking like, as of now, Rom's the highest by by a little bit. Um, Rom first, Thomas second, and then Hideki is fourth after Scheffler in terms of the highest owned guys. So, okay. But if, if you're looking at just the, the top guys, um, I'm seeing Rom around 19%, JT around 18 Cantlay is going to be the the guy who is the contrarian play. He's looking at 11%, which is pretty rare for him. And then you got Hideki at 17, Victor at 16. So, a bit spread out. And, and Cantlay might be a smart play because I think the course will suit him really, really well. Um, it would benefit him. The putting was kind of weak last week. Um but we just don't have any evidence, and that's why obviously the ownership's low. He's not played here before. I don't think that the party atmosphere will suit him on 16, but that's only one hole, so it's not really anything to worry too much about. But I kind of like the the aggressiveness of a, of a Justin Thomas, a John Rahm, a Scotty Scheffler, obviously you just mentioned there as well, um, to take on these um, you know eagle opportunities on the par fives and par fours, which is, is going to be key this week. You mentioned, um, and I agree, I, I, think, I think the more we talk about Justin Thomas, the more I kind of like him as, as that guy at the top there. Um, Victor Hovland is, is great, right? But everyone's going to be wanting to put Victor Hovland in their lineup. So um, at some point, you just kind of got to make a decision between which one you think is best. Um, the 9K range is really interesting for me because this is the first week I've really felt quite confident about Scotty Scheffler. Um, from a betting point of view, I thought that he was he opened at 33-1. to 1. He was originally 28 to 1. Then, as I was talking about my article, another book came out as 33, and I thought that's great. Like, I was pretty sold at 28. 33, I felt was too big, and it's been a while since I felt Scheffler was too big on the betting board. Um, I also think he's he's a decent price at 9100, but that that explains the ownership uh, that you just read out there. So, I don't think I'd want to avoid Scotty Scheffler. I still think I'd be quite comfortable starting lineups um, with with either him and Thomas, or uh, you know just maybe going a bit further down with starting Scheffler and, and maybe going to uh, some of the 8K guys that we like. Yeah, Scheffler, he, he's the tough one. He's the guy who everyone likes this week. Um, and I, he makes total sense. If he's a place he's going to win, this this is a place that makes sense. We talked about kind of the putting issues that he might be able to benefit from, even though I do have my doubts about him putting down the stretch to win a golf yeah. tournament. Uh, you know, and you, saw, you saw it a little bit at the um, at the match play and, some other time. Every time he's been in contention, he just he starts missing shorties, and and I can see that happening again. I don't really trust his ability to win, but like you said, when he drifts to that thirty-three to one range, and we're talking a ninety-one hundred, he doesn't have to win. Um, top five would be good, especially if you pair him with a guy like JT who can win, or Hideki who can win, or maybe Rom who, who can win. Um, he makes a lot of sense, and I like that he gained a lot of strokes on approach in his last start. Uh, he's popular for a reason. I don't I don't want to avoid him, but I don't know how much I'm going to play him either. Uh, it seems like a nice pivot spot if you really believe that he might underperform. So the, the way I kind of justified it to myself, and I was the hardest person to justify it to in betting, was that I actually think this is a place where, because you can get so aggressive and you can take advantage of those those par fours and par fives, especially when you get to sort of 17 and you can drive the green, I do think at some point he's just going to take advantage of that and he's going to stretch the lead to four or five or something like that and just get, you know, unconscious. And, you know, just like how he performed in the Ryder Cup against John Rahm, for example, I'll just get, you know, four or five hole stretch where he just, it's just automatic. And if he can do that early on on Sunday and then, you know, have a couple of holes, and even if he's sort of only one or two ahead, but he's got 17 to get aggressive with, I don't think he's going to lay up like Tony Finau did a couple of years ago and end up in the bunker and throw it away. He might go into the water because he's he's a little bit you know a bit of an adrenaline rush or whatever, but we know that's not a death sentence around there. So I just think the the actual aggressive nature of the course may just suit someone like him uh, that can take advantage of it. Um, going into that nine k range, then this is you know aside from Scheffler, 
you've got Jordan Spieth at 9,900, Xander Schoffler at 9,700, Brooks Kepka at 94, Sam Burns 93, Daniel Berger 92, and Bubba Watson at 9,000 flat. What do you do with Jordan Spieth here, Matt? Um, I'm playing him. I'm playing Spieth. Uh, uh, I'm I'm having a, a top-heavy card this week. I bet two guys. I bet JT and Spieth, and that's going to be it. The, the spring break boys, with minus Ricky Fowler. But... <laughs> But he uh, he's very low owned, which is good because he's expensive, and there's a lot of guy around guys around him who people want to play. Xander right beneath him. Um, you got Burns. Everybody wants to play Scheffler. Everybody wants to play. Uh, so and then you get Hovland right above. Everybody wants to everybody wants to play too. So I I like going to him. One, it's contrarian, which I think is great. And two, we saw him start to get hot in the stretch last year. And I, I have my doubts about Spieth long term. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy he was before. I don't. I'm not necessarily back in on him, but it's just what we talked about last week with Pebble. He could not be great at golf right now, but still compete in the events that he competes in regularly. I mean, if you look at, he started here five times, seven, nine, two missed cuts, but that was when he was absolutely awful. Hmm. And then, and then fourth. So he's shown that he likes his place. He led the field in approach last year at this event. Uh, and I can just picture him kind of getting involved with the, party atmosphere i think it's a good spot for him if he's going to win it i think this could be it so my only concern with speed is that i actually thought his irons were incredible and the stats back that up like he was you know he was just in seem complete control of his ball for the most part there was a couple of errant ones where i thought he got a little bit lucky but Brooke took advantage when he did um even like the shot on 17 that, that he put into the bunker wasn't a bad shot right like he said he hit it exactly how he wanted to uh he came up short it was it was a you know a misjudgment as opposed to a bad shot my concern is the driver and 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 the reason being is because one i still think he can go off the planet with it and two i don't know if it's good enough that he can take advantage of the scoring holes here where he can really i mean obviously he can reach 17 everyone can reach 17 but um i, I just it feels like it's not an asset to him right now, whereas I think that could be, like, strokes going off the tee could be a, a differentiator as opposed to the obvious approach of going with irons. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I think uh, that's a little bit of a concern. And, you know, you said 17 is drivable, but in order to drive it, you have to be pretty long and pretty accurate. And he's ne- he's neither, really. But yeah. Um, and, but he could, well, he could gain nine strokes putting, too. And that's the volatility you get with Spieth and I could see him winning this event and I could see him missing the cut so it's a volatile play but it I, if I'm going to take a volatile play I want it to be one coming off a hot week when when he has hot irons he usually stays that way for a little while we saw it last week he was like a six uh, last year a six or seven week stretch where his irons were just uh, immaculate and I think we could see that again and you always have that you know backup plan for Spieth whether if he's not playing that great he still could gain nine strokes putting and contend somehow um, and if he was overowned, I wouldn't do it on DraftKings. But the fact that he's underowned and you get that upside volatility, I, I'm going to go there. Yeah, with uh, Xander Schauffele, I just don't think the winning upside's there. You don't necessarily uh, need it in this range. You can pair him with the guy that you really like up top. But um, I don't think there's too much to say about Xander. I don't, I don't have any negatives to say about him. I just like you say, if, if you want volatility and win equity. You've got Jordan Spieth at 9,900, and you've got the, the ultimate volatility in Brooks Kepka at the moment at 9,400. Right, and, was, and also with Xander, I mean, last year, looking at his second-place performance, I was thinking about, you know, looking into him. and the, uh, But then you look at, he gained six strokes putting, and he was pretty neutral on everything else. Yeah. It, it, he's just, yeah, he doesn't do it for me in terms of win equity at that price. And, and then, yeah, Brooks, um, he's going to be very low-owned uh, at 9,400, which is interesting considering we just won the event but i'm not i'm not going to go there maybe i'm a fool i know i know some people are going to go to him no matter what because of this his price and his course history and now we get the low ownership to throw on top of it but i'm just not there with him right now i just don't think he has it i think so i think for me is i had no interest in going there betting wise i didn't look at it um you know he was 40 to 1 when he won it first time he was 55 to 1 last year when he was got all for and then one here um and I do think if he was fifty to one again, you would just do it just because of a you know FOMO reasons, right? Um, but I think as much as I don't, it's the complete opposite of what I normally do. Like normally, I'd bet someone in this situation because they're so volatile. But I actually think it could be a time to play him if he's going to be low owned. Um, and I'm guessing it'll pick up traction one way or another as the week goes on as well. But he he can win you 
all the money, right? Like he he could be the complete difference. Like he can just come out there and win this at low ownership because everyone's going to want to be playing Sam Burns. Um, you know, Bubba Watson after finishing so well last week is going to get some ownership. Um, you know, Xander Shoffley, as we mentioned, always gets his kind of fair share. Scheffler, 9,100, very, very popular. I, I'd be interested to see, you know, it, there's no surprise if Brooke Kepka's in the in the winning lineup come Sunday. Is that, that's, that's kind of the point. Yeah, it makes sense. And even if you're doing it, if you play a lot of lineups, which I really don't, I try to have a really tight core, but if you don't, you might want to get them into a couple just to, yeah, just in case that happens again. But um, I, I, I want to see if I can hold off and avoid him playing well until florida i like I, I like playing him in that florida swing and i think i'd like to see him play okay but not really you know enough to hurt me if i'm not on him but yeah it, it's gonna be no for me but i completely understand where you're, where you're coming from so I, I i'm kind of the same on sam burns i think everyone's just kind of desperate to play him because they want to bet him this week he's 33 to 1 after weeks of being 14 and 16s but this is a deeper field um i know it's an event that you played well in last year right like he he, he completely turned around his his performance here and, and played well for, I think he was top three after the first couple of rounds but I don't see I mean, the new style of Sam Burns suggests that this would be a perfect golf course like he's aggressive good off the tee great putter um, but but that no one's going to miss that and he's going to be so popular and I think I I, I don't want to say I'd go full fade on him but I'd be quite happy to, to go out of the ways just because I think everyone's going to go there out of desperation yeah uh, fade and Sam Burns is one of my one of my favorite pastimes. Um, <laughs> he's just so overvalued and usually, and now he's coming back a little bit to where, um, you know, where he should be. But he hasn't proved. I mean, he won. He won the Sanderson Farms in a very weak field, and then he won Valspar against Keegan Bradley. It's just he's he's good in certain situations. I like him in birdie fests. I he's a good player. He's a good player, but he's not in the category that a lot of people have been rushing to put him in. And for that reason, I've been off him from the beginning of the season. And maybe if we get to a event like, again, Valspar or something like that, then I'd go back to him. But in these great field events, he hasn't really proven much of anything to me at this point. And I know people are going to probably be upset about that because he seems to have one of those strong followings of people who think he's the, you know, a major contender type guy. And I don't think he's that. But that's just my opinion. So I think he can be, and I think he because he's that little bit younger than people sort of remember. I'm not saying you don't, because I think you you know you're on the beat, right? But I think that because he was around for so long, and we had this kind of opinion of him before that we're now trying to change. And I do think it's been overblown. I do think people are getting too carried away, but I do think he's a guy that can, um, you know, elevate his game to major contention. I do think he's a guy that can win this week. It's just I almost want it to to happen further down the line. Like if he burns people this week forget you know modern pardon the pun is what i was trying to say there um if he does burn people's lineup this week then all of a sudden people are gonna be off him he's gonna be 50 to one in the bigger field and he's gonna be 8800 or whatever he's gonna be um and people are gonna have that kind of memory in a bank of i oh, didn't do it for me at phoenix um so i think that could be a smart play looking down the line um but i had this problem of kind of trying to avoid people for too long and he ends up you know working against me so I, I, that's a long way of me saying I don't know what to do with Sam Burns, but um, I'm definitely fading Berger. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want anything to do with that injury. It doesn't look good. Um, it could be a sneaky play if, if, if you, but it, you know, if anyone finds out information and gets something, then then everyone's going to hear that right. Like, I don't think we're like people that can get from you know boots from the ground information that no one else is going to get um he's got a 10th 7th 11th and a 9th here so it's, it's not going to miss anyone if, if it comes out that he's in full health so again i'll either fade Berg because of the injury or fade Berg because of the late ownership that'll come in if he's okay uh i i love burger this week <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and i was going to ask you because one you get you have your sources you have the interview with hoagie i mean i was i sent i sent burger a dm he hasn't answered me so I wanted to see how he's doing this week, and um, so I haven't got anything back from that, and I don't, I don't expect to. So, but with that being said, just look at the profile of the guys who who win here, and you know, look at Webb Simpson. Berger plays the course as well that Simpson plays well. Um, Berger plays the course as well that Brooke Kepka plays well at, and I just think the guy who can get really hot with their irons, and he doesn't really miss fairways. He's reliable off the tee, can get hot with the irons. 
I like the spot for him. I can envision him winning. I think he fits with that kind of spring break boys with JT and Jordan. <laughs> and I, the injury obviously is a major concern, and that could keep ownership off. And I'm definitely going to take a gamble with him, at least in a couple lineups. If he wasn't, if he was still hurt, don't you think he, he would have withdrew by now? See, I, I don't because I think he'll just play for it. I think that he he's missed one week, and you know this is a chance for him to to tear up with the big boys and 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 just turn up. And I I guess there's there's probably like the best case scenario for you, Matt, is that nothing comes about about him all week, so everyone's worried about it being an injury, and he tees up on one, on Thursday, and we see that he's absolutely fine, and he plays as you expect. Like that that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that he is injured and you've played him and he withdraws after six holes or whatever. And then there's a kind of a middle ground where you find out a little snippet of news Wednesday that gives you the confirmation that he's absolutely fine. And then I think everyone just steams into him and, and puts up the ownership. I think that's the trouble. I think, I think there's kind of a range of outcomes for him. Yeah. And it's almost like a lose, lose. And, um, unless, he says nothing and he plays well, which is that, and, you know, so- and that's what I think you're back. I think that's what you're banking on. And I think if that happens, then like there's nothing about Daniel Berger that I don't think is a good play. Like there's no negative to him. It's just that I think the ownership will go up if we find out he's um, injury free. And I want to ask you this: I had a little debate with somebody last night. Um, who's a better player right now, Daniel Berger or Sam Burns? It's got to be Berger, I think, because I think the I think the irons have been so good. I think the irons are tremendous. We've we've seen it um, in the past with with the wins that he's got and where he's contended in major championships. So right now, I think that it's got to be Daniel Berger. I just think that Sam Burns has the more prototypical game to contend at more venues in the future. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree, and I that's what I had. I had I had Berger there, and his win at. Colonial was really impressive with that field. And he's done some stuff in better fields. That's the reason why I'd say it. And um, the only reason I said that is because a friend said, if, you know, you like Berger, but Burns is also 33 to 1. I think Burns is better. And I, and I, I didn't think so. But I agree, I agree with uh, Burns' skill set. It's definitely very transferable to a lot of courses. And Berger is more of a course specific guy. So we'll see. I'll play him, see if it bites me in the ass. We'll see. With, said that, with that said, though, he's, he's top 10 in every major so far. And fairly limited starts for someone when you think about the injuries that he's had and things like that you know top 10 of the masters sixth for the us open and seventh for the us open and eighth for the open championship so it does transfer it just probably just depends on the course on the road to that year um but we can look at that later on in the uh later on in the year cupid may work hard in february but our friends at manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure that your valentine's day is one to remember don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with their Performance Package 4.0, which includes a signature lawnmower. This February, join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LFW20. That is LFW20 on the Lost for Words podcast. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can't see past the love jungle. Folks, we know how important it is to have clean, fresh golf balls, but it is also your balls that we must prioritise on Valentine's Day. And the Performance Package 4.0 will leave you with more dating app notifications than Cupid has arrows. This lovely bundle comes equipped with the best tools needed when freshening up for a night on the town and a date night with your young lady. So once again, that is code LFW20 for 20% off and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Fellas, look after your balls both on and off the golf course in February. Bubba Watson, are you in or out? Oh man, he's so expensive. <laughs> like that's the tough part. It's and that's you know everyone thought his ownership was going to be huge, and the bet I guess that's more of the betting market. So he's actually lower owned than I thought. He's looking at nine, ten percent, which I was pretty surprised by. You know everyone's going to see his results, um, and you know think he's back. And if he's back, this is one of his spots. He's played obviously. He's been excellent here. You know with last three starts 22nd third fourth so he's he's good this is one of his spots where you want to play him but 9k is just how can you play him over scheffler or louis i I think i'd rather play both those guys to be honest so i think this is this is where you could get like you could almost make a really 
contrarian lineup that you play an, an over expensive Bubba Watson, you play an out of sorts Tony Finau, and and you put in Brooks Kepka and you've legitimately got three players with winning upside that have proven they can do it on this golf course. Um, and you've got a ton of cash left over. If that is something that, if, if you're a full kind of ownership approach to someone, um, I think that's where you could get really quite cute with it. And, and and it could end up with four out of six missed cuts, and that's that's the scary thing. But it could pay off at the end of the week. Yeah, you could. You definitely could do it. Um, and I think a lot of people are probably have the same mindset of betting him and not playing him on DFS because he is a little bit volatile. Um, yeah, I'm probably not going to do either, though, to be honest. No, I, I think I'm going to be uh, against both, despite my uh, my affinity with Bubba Watson. Let's, let's go with that. Um, 8K range then. Um, just mentioned sort of Tony Finau being out of sorts. I don't really have too much to say on him. Obviously, it's a great golf course for him. Um, he does everything that I want him to do. Uh, he has nearly won here, but he, he did lay up on that 17th when he had a real good chance of doing it. Uh, and that's always bothered me. I've never quite got over that. Um you know, Webb Simpson had to come and win it, but yeah, that, that wasn't a good look. And despite the fact it being a, a really good course for him, he has got four miscuts in six starts. So it's, it's, you know, if he's out of form and he's got that kind of volatility golf course, that, that's a recipe for disaster, I'd say. Yeah, a great course for him, but so is Torrey Pines and what happened there. He just, he's just out of it right now, so I'm out. And you, you mentioned Louis. It's frightening, but it's also an opportunity because... We, the the Louis before he went missing was phenomenal for a for a decent stretch of time, um, but last time we saw him, we withdrew at the RSM and, and hasn't started since in since November now. It it's scary. Um, I I do like him a lot, but it looks like kind of a lot of people like him. I just think it's a pretty safe play, and I think he you know it's a very he has a very good chance of finishing in the top ten. I think 8,800, that's okay. Uh, it's looking like 13, 14%, which a little high when you have guys around him who are so low, like Fitz is basically unowned, Finau is basically unowned, Bubba's underowned. So he's the he's the popular guy in that spot. Um, I just think he's a very safe play, and if you want to go volatility elsewhere, like if I, I'm playing Spieth, I think Louis is a good guy to pair with Spieth because uh, he can give me that top 10, and Spieth has that winning upside, and they're both, and you know, and Spieth's low enough owned, so you can get different uh, different in there. There. So I, uh, I'm playing. I'm probably playing Louis. There's nothing here to me that suggests this would be somewhere I'd want to play Matthew Fitzpatrick. Like I, I don't. I know he's never played it before, so there's nothing to say that he's going to be bad here. Um, I'm just preempting that. You know, he his caddies told me before that he can kind of get his driver where he does go a little bit further. But nothing, like Matthew Fitzpatrick doesn't strike me as a birdie fest eagle making machine on a golf course that demands both of those things no i've, I've no interest in fits um i he's a contrarian play and he played pretty well last week but he did it's not but yeah, a lot not, of it was last round though wasn't it right there was he had a good final round and then climbed his way outside top 10 yeah and you know what the stats that weren't great he gained 2.4 putting gained 2.4 in approach most of it in the last round like you said um so yeah, I just I can't I can't see it. No, I, I can't envision that being a good idea. Uh, Webb Simpson is cheap for Webb Simpson at Phoenix. Um, there's this kind of I read kind of what Rick Gaiman wrote that there's this kind of misconception that he's fallen off, but he ranked 12th last year um, in strokes gained total um, on tour, despite the fact it being a down year for him. So if he's now showing a little bit of life again, he's coming back to a golf course that he absolutely loves. Um, what do you do with Webb Simpson? Uh, I, I'm I, not I promise we won't go one by one from now on. This is just kind of a few guys we've had that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I, I'm not going to play Webb. I mean, at the the case for him is even when he's played poorly at his courses, he still played well. Like he was bad at Sony, but he was great at RSM. Um, he was good at Wyndham, like he always is, but he struggled in between. I just... I can't get there with him right now. I just don't. I don't trust him at all. I think there's something a little off with him, and I'm just gonna kind of hope I'm right. Yeah, oh, I can understand that. I think I like Adam Scott on his debut performance at his golf course. I don't feel the need to go to Webb. Um, I don't like Corey Connors, which 
which seems to be the complete opposite of the consensus around him. Um, and you're probably going to tell me the opposite of what I've just said as well. But there just seems to be this this loving that, that Corey Connors is going to do it because he's a ball striker and he's played well here a couple of times before. Um, but his ball striking hasn't been what it has been. And, and if by that notion, he probably should have played well at Torrey Pines as well. Yeah, I... I kind of like Connors. I was thinking about playing him, but I was kind of on the fence. I was actually looking forward to seeing what you had to say about him. But I just like his ability to keep the ball in play. Uh, he's how reliable he is off the tee. Uh, I think, you know, I, I thought this could be a spot that makes sense for him. And the number seemed pretty good. The uh, betting number I thought was pretty good. Not that I think he's going to win, but the price I thought was pretty good compared to the the guys around him. Um, 8,300, he's... You know, I, Hoagie, Henley, Power, English. I like him, I think, better than those guys. And uh, he's getting a little popular, though, so I'm probably not going to play him because he's looking like 13, 14%. So I think a lot of people are thinking what I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm just going to go with your opinion here. I'm, I'm not going to play him. Yeah, I just, I mean, we, we talked about the betting number, and, and there was a lot. There was people that put him up in 66s, and that was great, right? But over here on on the exchange we got, Billy Horshaw was twice the price in terms of odds at one point. He was 100 to 1 compared to Corey Connors at 50 on our exchange. They weren't the kind of each-way odds. But um, when I look at the, the winning upside of the two of them, uh, one of them stands out to me, and that would be Billy Horshaw. So um, that would be my opinion on Connors there. You mentioned Henley. Um, I love Henley this week. I think that the way he performed at the Amex after being so bad down the stretch at Sony was really telling to me that like his game is in such a good place right now that even if he gets in his own way he could still be productive because he was second at Sony and he should have won that and there is no excuse in that um but he shot 65 on the final day and Hideki had to shoot at 63 and I know it was bad because the lead he had but you know his game has just been so ridiculous like he's literally gone 62 63 67 65 and then he'd come out to the Amex, finish 14th. But he plays terribly, by the way. Like He's had four missed cuts and six starts there, I think, uh, was the official numbers. And he shot bookend 67s there um, on a course that he doesn't... or a set of courses that he doesn't like. So I just don't see the downside in Russell Henley other than potentially a bit of ownership because everyone's sort of saying the same thing. Yeah, it's looking like more than a bit at this point. It's looking like top five... In ownership at 8,200, which is a little concerning. Um, mm. and, but then you start thinking about, like, I saw him at 33 to 1 in some betting markets. So it's like, do they know something we don't? It's one of those things where he's overpriced and he's overpriced for a reason because he's probably going to play really well. Um, and we've seen the last couple of weeks, those mid-range guys who are very highly owned have done really well. So it's not always the best idea to fade them. Sometimes they're popular for a reason and sometimes they're popular because they're going to play well and you're better off playing them in finding out a way to be different elsewhere so i can totally see it he's, he's played pretty well here um and he's he's almost a different player this year the last you know 12 months than he was yeah. a couple of years leading into it so i can definitely see it I, I was hoping that people were going to be off him because his course figures don't stand out but the, the nine starts he's got two top 16s um a 30th and even in 2015 he was 59th but he was eighth off to 54 holes and just shot a final round 78 um, he's a two third round 65s here. He's first in strokes gain approach last eight weeks, second in tee to green. Like it's just the perfect setup. Then everyone kind of all say it's the same uh, stance, and you get a little bit high in the ownership. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I, certainly from a from a betting point of view, I, I love Russell Henley, um, but from a fantasy, I could see the idea of fading him if that's creeping up. Tom Hoagie, I, I think people. Are people going to be off him because he won last week? I mean, I I think he can not. Well, I think he could potentially go back to back. I actually had him written up before replacing him with with my next guy that I want to talk about. But I think he could go and top ten. And I think at eighty one hundred on a golf course, he's shown great stuff at in the past. I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and no, people aren't going to him. Uh, they're they're going away from him, which is tough. I mean, I I would like to see those guys who are veterans who finally get their first win and break through what they do the following week. I, my gut says it's not, they don't play very well. I could be wrong though. So the thing is, so you've got two case points this week. You've got Tom Hoagie and Luke list and they're both coming off the biggest weeks of their life. Um, 
and and coming into a tournament that they can perform well at. So Hoagie's missed two cuts, but the, the last cut he missed, he shot 66 uh, last year to open, sitting in sixth place before shooting a 74, which isn't good, but, you know, it's not like he shot an 82 and, you know, ejected. Um, he was 25th the year before that, open with a 65, third round 67. And then he was 43rd the year before that, where he was 11th after round one, 11th after round two, 12th after round three, and just had a really poor final day, which was expected of Tom Hoagie at that time. I think he's transformed a little bit. I think the the monkey's now off his back. He's got that win. And I think he's just too, like, brazen and, and laid back to kind of get uptight now. I think, I think, if anything, he could just go the completely opposite way. And I'm not saying he's going to go and do a Jason Co crap. I can certainly see him winning again in the not-too-distant future. Um, whether it's back-to-back weeks is, you know, it's hard to see, which is why people don't want to go there. But... The you know the lower ownership and, and the higher odd prices basically is just that he can't because golf is a sport that we punish people for being successful with the week before. Um, kind of grabbed my interest. Yeah, you make a good point. It does depend on the guy's personality. Um, if you're telling me to play him, I'll play him. You see, the big difference between him and Luke List is Luke List is very popular this week and Hoagie yeah. isn't. And yeah, it could be the four hundred dollar price difference, right? I'm sure that's what it is. You're trying to jam guys in lineup, so yeah. Makes sense. And that- and Luke Liss has probably got the more prototypical game, like his driving's longer and, and, and maybe a little bit better. But um, yeah, they've both they both shown flashes, so I, I like both of them. Um, Billy Horschel for me at seventy nine hundred is ridiculous. Like, and everyone's going to sort of tout his strokes gain approach numbers, and then they are alarmingly bad. I would say that there's been, you know, his his sixty two or sixty three that he shot on the North Course. Uh, is not being taken into account because there's no straight gain there. Um, you know, uh, you know, other events that he's played recently aren't going to be taken into account. So there's a lot that's not being considered in that figure. That's not to say that he isn't hitting his irons badly because I can't argue with the stats that are in front of me, right? So on a on a general basis, he's not playing that well, but he's still performing to a good level. And he just finished 11th at Tory Pines with. You know, a supposedly terrible iron game. Then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty keen to see what he can do on a golf course like this. And he's made eight out of nine cuts here. He's got two top 11s, four top 24s in total. He's got five rounds of 66 or better. Uh, he opened up, I think it was, with a 63 uh, a couple of years ago now, and and he he was just second because Wyndham Clark was uh, shot a 61. So. You know, I don't really want to hold that against him. I think he opened with a 66 uh, a couple of years before that and was in the top sort of four or five uh, then as well. And five of his last eight rounds in this event, he's been inside the top nine. So he's got to get the weekend rounds put together, like back-to-back. He's either had a good Saturday, bad Sunday, or vice versa. Um, So he's really struggled to put four rounds together here, but this is a golf course that he can score on. Yeah, I I could see him playing all right. I'd... um... You know, he's a bit of a luck sack at times, I think. And that's what kind of what we saw that day. And I guess that you're right. That's what everybody's <laughs> kind of thinking about. So uh, I can see him playing well. I think 7900 is a very good price. I think he's a pretty safe play. Like you said, he's made most of his cuts here. He's been at, he's been solid. He's been he's been solid. Um, if you finish his top 30 at 7900 and you have the winner, you're, you're just fine with that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll play him. He's, he's, just, he's not missed a cut since June at the U.S. Open. He's, he's not missed a cut at this golf course. Uh, or oh, he's missed one cut in nine starts. Um, and, he, you know, you go back to the missed cut before the US Open, it was, was Bay Hill. So he's had a really long stretch of, of making the weekend. And I know that doesn't excite people, but to me, that that's enough to play him. So really like Billy Horschel there. He'd be my favourite play in the 7K range. Max Homer is someone I've put as an outright. Um, home game, which I think it is for... You know, 70% of the field. A lot of people like to base themselves in Phoenix. Um, so three starts this event, 26th, 6th, and 42nd. He's a better player now than he probably has been on any one of those performances. Uh, missed the cut of Tory, which burnt a lot of people, which I think will potentially keep his ownership down a little bit. And he was 6th here in 2020. He opened with around a 72, but followed that up with 67, 64, and 68. Um, and while he's not been in contention the other two times, he was just you know pretty solid. And Last year, he was great in that kind of key range between 175 to 200 of his irons. And I just think coming off of a missed cut, he's had a you know a week off to kind of get over that. 
bit of a disappointment. And he just seems to elevate his game, and it, maybe it's a little bit narrative, maybe there's a bit of substance behind it as well, but he seems to bring his game when the best players are in the field. He won at Genesis, um, he won the Wells Fargo. Obviously, the Fortinet wasn't in that same bracket, but before that, he played well at kind of like Memorial and, you know, just, just big events that you wouldn't necessarily expect him to contend in. Yeah, I could I could see myself playing him. Um, you know, last last week he kind of disappointed some people. Um, so I, I can see people. Sorry, not last week at the Farmers. Yeah. Um, he he disappointed some people. So I think people might be getting off him because of that. So that might be a reason to get on. He doesn't look to be too highly on. Maybe eight to ten percent. Um, yeah, everything he said I pretty much agree with. Uh, do I? I don't know if I see him winning it. I do think the fans and all that stuff is a good good environment for him. I just, um, yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely play him. I like your Billy play, and I like your Homa play. I was a little bit stuck in this range, so I, I like those two plays. And then the guy after that, we got to, I guess, briefly touch on is Ricky Fowler. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I played him, I think, as first-round leader uh, at the American Express, hoping that he could just get some some good feeling there he played well there in the past and nice kind of easy resort golf courses set up for a program and you know he he sucked and then um you know same thing again at sorry pines mr cut on a golf course that he has had some success not consistent success uh but some success on um did open up with a 66 on the north course which is promising obviously tom weiskopf design which which helps here uh, but that 76 on the south course kind of showed there's still so much work to do. And it's just whether you believe that Ricky Fowler can come back, because if he can, this will be the golf course he does it on. Yeah, yeah. I was on him here when he won it, and he got a little bit dicey down the stretch. It just, it's just like it. I don't know if he's capable right now of putting four rounds together. And I know that's a pretty obvious statement because he hasn't been at all. And we say he's working through a swing change and it doesn't click right away. You, you might first start seeing signs of, uh, of good play again. Like we saw, like you said, at the North course on Thursday, but it's just a big gamble. And I don't think it's a gamble you really need to take. So I'm not going to take it. I think the thing for me, like I am making gambles by playing Billy Horschel and Max Homer and Russell Henley at high ownership and Scheffler at high ownership. Like, I don't really necessarily... I'd rather take a gamble than on the lower guys that we talked about earlier where you could you could have upside of, of Brooks Kepka winning and, and you mentioned Jordan Spieth and, you know, Bubba Watson. I, I think I'd rather go and make that kind of mistake, if you like, than go and make the mistake with Ricky Fowler and have a lot more remorse when there's there's less to, uh, to back it up, I suppose. Um, the two guys at 7,500... Andrew Putnam and Keith Mitchell, both very, very popular this week. Um, I don't want to go back to Andrew Putnam, despite the fact that I loved him at the American Express. I was on him last week late. I bet him at kind of 170 to 1, um, and, and he was right there. But he, he wasn't impressive down the stretch. And um, when he's this popular, I think I can go elsewhere. Yeah, he's not, he's not looking crazy popular on draftings. It's like 7%, which isn't bad. Mitchell's closer to 9 or 10. Um, yeah. I'll probably fade both. I'm 7,500 and below. It's just like I'm, I'm not going to play the guys who everyone everyone's just talking about. Sometimes it burns me. Sometimes it doesn't. But, yeah, I'd rather go somewhere else. What about going back to the world with Pat Perez? Yeah, I was, you know what? I was in the process of writing with my favorite 7K guy. And... Then I looked at his course history, and it is horrible. So, on three of his last 11 starts here, he has sat inside the top six after 36 holes. Wow. So while he's, so while he's only won, uh, while he's only finished 11th once in that kind of span, I think the course form is actually better. You know, this, this is why I kind of use the website I use in tour tips, and you, you go round by round, and it kind of gives you a little bit of hidden form because he is, you know, if you just look at it on the face of it, it's, it's rubbish. Like, it's not good and, and you think it should be better because, you know, he's, a, he's an Arizona resident and lives down the road and things like that and it's a, it's a good course for him. But, yeah, he, he's been he's been there, right? He's, he was uh, sixth after two rounds back in 2008, I think it was, 
Um, he was sixth again three years after that, uh, after shooting 65-68. And I, there must have been a later occasion, maybe when he was uh, when he was 11th. He was third, fifth, and ninth for the first three rounds, and just you know had a pretty disappointing Sunday. So when you look at it in, in greater detail, I think he's actually better. And, and because people have played him at Pebble and Tory and probably had enough of Pat Perez, I, I think it, it could be a good, good spot for him. Yeah, that, that does help to convince me. Um, he's looking around 7% right now. Nothing, you know, I just saw he hasn't really done anything since 2011. And yeah. I, he, just I, doesn't, I, he just doesn't play here, right? Like now he hasn't, he doesn't, he hasn't, he's what, missed like four of the last five renewals, um, which is strange when it's on his doorstep. So I think maybe he just got sick of it. Maybe it was just a bad spot in the rotor. I think a couple of times he was injured uh, at this time of year. So, um, I'm not necessarily advocating that he is a really solid player all of a sudden, but I do think there is some upside, at, you know, at the 7100 that I think he could he could carry on this kind of back-to-back top tens and, and make it a stretch of three. Yeah, six ninth. You can't argue with that. He's playing well. Uh, the stats kind of regressed a bit last week. Yeah. Um, but but uh, that you know. But that I think was, that's that's kind of pebble, right? Like I think you've got three really different tests and the stats you're taking from one course at the south course versus what you probably did at the north course you know things kind of balance out it's been a really hard period to kind of trust strokes gained i think and i think mm-hmm. that's why I'm, I'm so kind of keen to ignore what people are saying about billy horschel because and i don't think there's too much billy horschel bashing out there i'm not trying to defend him but i, I think that i don't want to get too paralyzed by stats if, if someone's playing well and and the stats back up your your argument then great but i, I wouldn't want to go against it because it looks like it's regressed a little bit when the courses have been such different tests if that makes sense yeah you know you're right you're right on that and I, I like Perez I'll probably go to him in, in a couple again I was struggling in the 7k range um, and he wasn't as popular as I thought and then the other guy who's not as popular as I thought was Brandon Grace who we talked about the other day I thought it was going to yeah. be popular but he's only five percent and the thing I liked about him was the last two times he's played well here um 2019 and 2020. 2020 and he's second, two times he's played, right? Yeah, and he's second and ninth, and both of those times he was coming off of missed cuts. Yeah. So it's not like he needs form to come here. It just seems like he likes the spot. Uh, and I, if, if he's if he's really five six percent owned, I'm probably going to go back to him. Yeah, I think I think that's wise. I I, I said to you I'd be off him because the ownership would be low and uh, high. Sorry for for his form. Um, I find it really hard to to get really supportive of Brandon Grace because I I detach him as a as a really good DP World Tour European Tour player and a not great PGA Tour player and I think people value his major performances from a few years ago quite highly which they should like at the time like um, but he was kind of like Louis Ustase and light like they both play really well in majors and then didn't do it on regular events and that always scared me but like you say second and ninth two starts here and and low ownership i think that's a great move i'd be interested to see because kh lee i guess is the play here at 7300 in terms of what people are going to um because of the tpc narrative in his second last year but cameron davis hasn't played here and he's 7200 and if you want a guy that makes eagles and can basically tear every single hole apart here then then he's the guy yeah, I wrote him up as my favorite 7K play today. Um, and I actually forgot that I did until you just said his name, to be honest. But <laughs> I but I, I like him a lot. I, I he, When I thought of the skill set needed here, he was the, one of the first guys I thought of. And um, he's basically going on 3%. And, you know, ceiling play, he's a guy who could really do well here. Um, like you said, he, he hasn't been playing that well. Uh, he was already at... Yeah, I guess okay at Century. Um, yeah, nothing much since his win at Rocket Mortgage, which is a little bit concerning. But you talk about eagle rate, and, I, and then I went to look at his um, eagles gained in his past 24, 36, 50 rounds, and it's really not in the top half of the field. So I don't know if that's just a narrative that we think is true or that's actually the truth. But I'm going to play him either way because I like his upside. So I think he was he was second in total eagles last year on tour um, behind Bryson. He had played more events, um, and he and he's up there again this time. It's just he's so inconsistent. 
right? He like he like even before winning the Rocket Mortgage, he was basically out of form. He had that really like decent spell at the this time last year, where he went thirty first Sony, thirty American Express, and then kind of went on a little bit of a run there. Um, that didn't really make sense that he didn't play here last time, but. Um, I just think he's a really inconsistent golfer that has high upside based on his skill set. Uh, long, uh, I hope he does go unowned and, and that does pay off for me um, because I think Aaron Wise is going to be popular here. People really want to play him. He's 7,100 uh, bucks, which makes sense. I think Carlos Ortiz has got a decent course history and people seem to, to like him, which I used to, but he's struggling right now. Um, and I think people want to play Mito Pereira now because it's a chance to get him at a low price. Yeah, I'm not playing Mito, I'm not playing KH Lee, and I'm not playing, um, who's the other popular guy we just talked about? Um, Carlos Ortiz? Yeah. Paramoise? Yeah, yeah I, or either of them. I'm looking at the three that we talked about, Cam Davis, Brandon Grace, and, and I'll take Perez too. What about Francesco Molinari? I know you liked him at Torrey Pines, and he's got a 22nd of 40 here, which don't jump off the page, but if he is back then he is the guy that can... I mean, he shot 64 here, round three, um, back in 2015. So he is capable of doing it. He is, and he was good at Amex. It's just... I don't know. He's another one who's very risky. I don't think he's as risky as uh, Fowler is, but he he's definitely dicey play. I, You know, he's missed five of his last seven cuts, but he's been good on the West Coast. And uh, I could see myself playing him in maybe one lineup or so, I guess. I just don't need to. I, the way I've constructed it, I don't need to play around this. I'm either going to go to the lower ends of the 6K, the higher ends of the 7s, or, you know, I don't really need to be in this kind of mid range. I was just kind of interested um, to hear your points. The, the one point I didn't make that I, that I will make now, um, you know, before we kind of wrap this up, is he. KH Lee won the Byron Nelson, and that, that course was designed, TBC Craig Ranch was designed by Tom Weiskopf and Jay Morris, um, and James Hahn um, actually played well there in a, in a Corn Ferry Tour Championship event as well, and plays well here. So it might be worth looking at that kind of leaderboard from the Byron Nelson last year. Who would your guys be in this? Let's just quickly wrap up the 6K range, because I think we've, we've talked a lot um, so far. Is there any guys that you're really confident on in the 6K range? Yeah, the guys I had starred was James Hahn, which I'm a little... Leary about now at 6,200, 7% ownership is a lot. Um, JT Poston again, who I, I picked a couple weeks ago and didn't really do very well, but um, he's been all right here. Uh, and Adam Long, who's been, been all right here too, and he's very low owned at 6,400. Your thoughts on those guys and who do you like? Yeah, so James Hahn I really like, and but like you say, the ownership kind of scares me. Adam Long is someone I'll always like. Uh, who was the other guy you said? The other guy I said was uh, Poston again. Yeah. I, I can see it. Like he, He's playing nicely. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of like JT Poston. The guy I like down here, uh, and it's at 6,100, is Bill Huss. Bill Huss has a, has a, a decent history at this event. Uh, starts really nicely. He's going to be in my sort of first round leader uh, article later on if uh, the tee times come out and, and it suits. But he's had some nice finishes here. He's, he's had top tens. I know this is at a time when Bill Huss was a really good player, and Bill Huss is not a really good player now. But he's he's coming back to some form. Um, you know, not that long ago, four years ago, he was leading after round one. Um, shot 66, uh, 64 open, 66 round three. So um, I, th- I think there could be some some decent chances for Bill Hust. You know, if he just gets through the cut at 6100, I'll be delighted. So he could be my uh, Sung Yol No of this week. That that Sung Yol No pick was really good. We we got him through. He did exactly what we need him to do. And uh, if you're telling me Hust at 61, I could I could definitely go there and I'll I'll sprinkle him in there. So let's hope it happens again this week. Let's do that. Um, let's just quickly summarise then our favourite picks from each range and uh, let's get you out here. So the, the guys from 10K and above. I'm going JT, but I think you got to play a couple of ROM too. If I had five lineups, I'd probably play three with JT, two with ROM. Uh, the 9K range? Uh, Spieth. 8K? 8K. Who do I have there? Um, I like... I'm probably going to go Louis. Yep, no, I like that. 
7k and we might as well put 7 and 6k together I will say in that range my favorite would have to be you really convinced me on Horschel at the, at, the, at the upper end of that but um, yeah. I think I'll go Grace at 71 I like that because you, you can take him from there I will take Horschel at the other end of it so we've got two guys at each end of that uh, I'll take Henley and, and eat the ownership at, at the 8k range Love Scotty Scheffler in an IK range. You've convinced me on Thomas over Hideki Matsuyama. Um, and I like Bill Huss at that really low price to uh, hopefully get through the cut. Matt, great stuff as always. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, you know, probably chatted a little bit longer than we normally do. Um, obviously an exciting tournament to talk about and uh, a stacked field. So hopefully we get them all through the cut this week and uh, have a good really week. In, Perfect. A really good week. <laughs>